Hey everybody, welcome back to Improv Town. I am your host and ambassador, Clayton Mashad. I know you've all been waiting with bated breath for part two of my conversation with Tim, where we talk about forms. So without any further ado, here it is. Also, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And we still don't have enough reviews to have a review on iTunes. So if you appreciate this podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review. All right. Thanks a lot. I just swear to get a start, so I can't be fucking. I know. Only bogey here. He's trying. Is he bothering? Oh, Oh, he just wants me up. He wants to fix his bedtime. Well, do you want to. Sorry, guys. Do you want me to bring him up here? No, just shut it. Bogey's fine. He's not going to do anything. All right. I'm gonna shut it. Okay. We're back with a special guest. <laughs> What's his name? Bogey? Bogey, yeah. Bogey. It's my dog. <laughs> both Sweet. my dogs, both my dogs just got finished humping pillows, so it's good. They're all ready. <laughs> uh I had one last fest question. I don't know if I just want to move on to. I wanted to do fest and forms. That was like my. Uh, just ask it but, quick and then get out. Uh, that way you have it, I guess. Yeah, whatever. Um, were there any things that you thought were good ideas that ended up not being good ideas for the fest? Like I know a lot of times people will try to do like a, like, like a group daytime adventure interaction things or. Actually, that kind of thing is something I've wanted to kind of do, some kind of group community thing, but with the workshops and stuff, it's just really... That's the thing, is that, right, it's... Yeah. And it's... Our festival, we have a lot of people come for one day, then leave, because we're, like, right in the middle of Boston, New York, uh, Connecticut, which most of our groups, well, I think, you know, from the outside groups, that's at least half, you know? So a lot of them just come for one day, and then leave. So they don't really stick around too much to kind of uh, do too many adventurous type of things. Back in the day, it used to happen a little bit more when we first started, I think, because like I'm saying, there weren't as many improv communities around. So the only real chance to kind of bond like that, there were more improv communities. So what have we tried that hasn't really worked? We <laughs> Ah, jeez. Yeah, I don't know, but there hasn't been too many gimmicky things that we've really, really done. We found, like, what we used to do is every year with the fest, we'd have, like, a theme kind of to it. Like, in a, a, a very vague theme, you know? We, we didn't really accomplish anything. I think, like, uh, the first year I really started to run it, it was, like, a Vegas theme. And uh, so we just had, like, Vegas stuff up, but we didn't really promote. We, we didn't really do too much. We had, like, a we, we spun a roulette wheel. And uh, before every show, and we gave away a prize or something like that, <laughs> which I thought was a good idea because I wanted to give away stuff. I don't know. I just like giving away stuff. I try. I got like gifts from local community stores and shops, just trying to promote them because I think uh, having the fest is a good way to kind of promote local things too. I wish I could do that better, you know. And I think I've been doing it a little bit better year in year year out. But um, there haven't been too many things that haven't worked. One thing that was a little tough to do is what when we had like on uh, uh, a couple of years ago, we could only get the dance studio uh, AS220 for a performance space. So we brought in our own stage. We put down, we got foam boards 
to cover the dance floor so we wouldn't ruin the dance floor. So we had to spend like $500 on all those form foam boards, like these things. <laughs> well, why don't you just use these? Yeah. So we his his children's uh, <laughs> alphabet foam, foam right, boards. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to do that, and then we put a stage, and then we have these, uh, these uh, what are they called, can lights or whatever. Uh, so it wasn't, it came out not that bad, but I just don't think it, it was a great space to perform, you know what I mean? So I think one of those things, trying too hard to get that second venue uh, for the same location just didn't work out. We weren't able to get, like, the next door that we usually get, so until only one night that year or two nights that year. So um, I think the only thing that I that I just try not to make things too complicated at this point. So if I, if I think it's a big endeavor or a big project, I personally am saying, is it worth it? Probably not worth it, right? Let's just have a good fest and try not to do something that might not work. <laughs> I try not to take too many chances. I try to like to have just a good time. This is what it is, a good time. Let's go for it, you know? Yeah. All right, cool. Let's stop talking about festivals and talk about uh, <laughs> improv forms. All right. Is that cool? Got it. All right. Um, let's just start with... Uh, some improv Jones stuff. Okay. So how did you... <clears throat> I feel like we're an hour. It's kind of late to go back to introductions. Sorry. But like, how did you how did you start performing with Improv Jones? So I started performing with Improv Jones because uh, after the first Improv Fest, it was a big fest for me, you know? Met my future wife, and then uh, uh, Morrow saw me perform there. And uh, I guess I really stood out to him, so he asked me to audition. They had a few people leaving right after the festival. So he asked me to perform, and I uh, I made the cut, started performing with them, and, which was just kind of a cool thing. I was the only person at the time to be in multiple improv groups. So I think that was a kind of a cool thing where he reached the olive branch to see with other people, and at the time I was like, oh, if I do this, I'm not going to leave unexpected company. I'd like to kind of do both. Is that okay? And they're like, yeah, great. Yeah, whereas now that's so common, like now it's a common thing. Uh, it wasn't back then. Um, I'm positive I was the first one that kind of did it, and then I was in another group in Fall River, which was out of the gutter, who are now the Portuguese kids. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've never heard of them. I uh, I lived the in Fall. I lived, I lived in Fall River for yeah multiple years when I went to UMass Dartmouth. So yeah, out of the gutter, they were just starting. Uh, they're better, you know. They do. Portuguese kids right now, which is really famous on YouTube and travel. They travel all, all through all the country. Improv or sketch? Uh, like sketch. They do like a Portuguese Americana thing. So it's really kind of, they focused on the Portuguese oh, yeah. thing, which really kind of went off in there. Improv was kind of a mixture. Their shows were like kind of a mixture of uh, improv and sketch. Portuguese kind of Americana thing. I'm not Portuguese, so I didn't fit in for a lot of the stuff. <laughs> so, but, uh, but it was a lot of fun doing that too. So I do that as well. So, uh, after improv Jones, I started performing then. It was a little rough to get on improv Jones because I, I think to kind of get, uh, accepted into improv Jones felt like I belong there. Um, at the time. So they had been around for like 11, already a decade. Yeah. They've already been. Yeah. So, like, yeah, 12 years, 13 years or something like that. And I was just joining in. So at that time, I was, once I started doing improv, I was pretty funny. You know, I was pretty good, but I really 
I got the idea of improv, but I really wasn't a good improviser. You know, I was getting away on a lot of stupid stuff. I, who is who is in it that's still in it now? In Improv Jones? Yeah. Uh, Mauro Hantman and Casey Seymour Kim. Yeah. Okay, so no Dave Rabinow, no. no. Dave King next uh, from the group that's still there now. And then, uh, is it Dave next? Yeah. Then Melissa, I believe. Oh, the other way around. Yeah, Melissa, then Dave, I think. I can't quite remember. <laughs> I think Dave took a class first. So it's kind of... I can't quite remember, but... <laughs> a class. That's all Dave needs. No, I'll take Robin out needs one class. He do, like, Improv Jones Apprentice or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so we we taught, like, four or five different people Improv Jones, and they used to guest perform with us. And then uh, Dave was one of them. And Dave was always... He had his own theater element, or elemental theater collective and they they do all stuff so he wasn't really around but then I don't know a year or two later we needed someone else so we asked him to join the group Mar asked him to join the group and uh, you know Dave Ravenel's been kicking it with us ever since <laughs> I love I <laughs> and, love Dave Ravenel yeah and Melissa joined probably like uh, maybe two years after I joined I think yeah I kind of got Melissa and so Melissa was the, Melissa Bowler was the second person to kind of Mix improv groups because she came to an improv Jones show. I said we were looking for auditions. What was she in before? She was in just in Providence College group. So uh, Rejects on the Rise. So they had a Providence College group. So one day at Improv Jones, it was me and Christopher Gray, who's now in San Francisco, who's awesome, by the way. Uh, it was just me and him. We did a two-person show, I think, for about five people. <laughs> and Melissa was one of them in there, and her and a bunch of the other rejects on the rise uh, just started talking to us. And I said, oh, we're having auditions for Unexpected Company, or we need more people for Unexpected Company. Um, come out and join out there. She got involved in that. We only have 18 people. So no, back then, uh, I think people left at that time. We still had a lot of people. We always had a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> way too many people. But, uh, but, yeah, we joined back then. And... Uh, that's when we started performing, I think, 2005 or so. Tim is letting his dog out of the basement. And he's back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, so 2005, she left. So I, I've been joining that. So it was a little tough for me to kind of get like used to Improv Jones. Because I was doing Unexpected Company with a bunch of raw people that s obsessed with improv, that learned improv, that went to festivals, that went to classes. And I was getting a lot of success getting by on easy jokes. And then you go to Improv Jones and there were all theater people, essentially people that studied oh, theater yeah, yeah, yeah. that were way smarter than me, <laughs> you know what I mean? But probably not as technically trained in improv really as much. Um, you know, with different types of things that have come out. So they've been doing their thing their own way. I came in doing the solo thing my other way. And uh, so it took a little while for me to get adjusted. Um, but I performed all the time, got a little bit better, grew a little bit. Some people went to do their theater gigs, so they weren't around as much. And then they came back and then kind of it's been great ever since, I think. You know, after kind of getting used to kind of performing with each other, knowing everyone's strengths and weaknesses, what works, what doesn't work, and just kind of being comfortable with each other has been really good. Yeah, so Maura I've been performing with for a super long time. <clears throat> cool, so you guys have like a lot of, uh, you guys have some of your own forms, right? Yeah, I think 
We have a lot of forms. <laughs> and I think they're my favorite forms. And, uh, and the funny thing is, since so once I started 2004, I started, it's 2017 now. We've had one rehearsal in my yeah. lifetime. <laughs> we never rehearse. We barely ever warm up. Um, we used to play, like, word ball before shows or do different things, but we we have so much, uh, I think everyone has so much kind of ADD that we can't really concentrate on anything we're doing. So we used to do shows twice a week, Thursdays and Saturdays at 10, and uh, we just try to think of new ideas of different things to do, you know, keep it fresh and keep it roaring, because sometimes we'd have, like, you know, we'd have to cancel shows because no one shows up at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night and in December in Providence because it's, you know, 10 degrees out so no one would show up so we just talk about ideas and stuff oh, like that. Oh, you mean you have to cancel uh, when you said you have to cancel shows because no one would show up, I thought you meant the team. No. And I was well, like, oh, that's, uh... That's almost happened a couple of times. We've had one or two people. <laughs> yeah, we played with you two weeks ago and, uh, and, uh, Stu came down and was like, uh, my, I'm the only one here five minutes before Yeah, we take it. It's, it's a weird... It's a weird thing. Improv drones is a weird dynamic. We don't rehearse. We don't, uh, we barely warm up. We, and we have some really cool formats and our shows, I think, are really fun and exciting to watch, I believe, you know, especially if you have a crowd. So, okay, so, um, do you think you're able to get away with that because you played together for so long? I think that's part of it. And I think the part of it is like, uh, so Dave Rabinow, Casey Seymour Kim, and Mauro Hantman have been doing theater, regular theater, for forever. You know what I mean? Uh, all of our improv experience has been like, uh, uh, you know, 15, 20 years. We probably have the most experience out of everyone in the state. You know what I mean? Uh, Melissa Bowler runs the Province Improv Guild. Kate Teichman runs Wage House. Uh, uh, Stu, Stuart Wilson has been performing forever, Big Nazo, so he's done a different type of different thing. Eric Fulford's just like, anything he touches is really good. <laughs> he's like, a Midas touch, so he's good. But we have a great job of, we do a great thing of listening to each other. It's kind of a thing we have, when we go out there, there's no, oh, let's try this, or let's do this, or let's really work on this, or that, you know? It's like, at this point, we have our forms. We know what we're going to do, our formats. Uh, and we just kind of really have fun with each other. And we enjoy watching each other. I think that's another thing, too. So there'll be a lot of times we're on stage where two people might just take over a scene. And those people on the sidelines are just having a really good time enjoying what's happening on stage. You know what I mean? And uh, the fact that we have been performing together for uh, that long, it's just... We all know what the other person is good to do and what they're going to do, and but yet we still surprise each other and make each other laugh all the time. You know, that's a it's a weird dynamic. It's I used to get really uh, more intense about it. I'm like, oh, I wish we rehearsed more. I think we could be so much better. You know, I wish we tried to do different things with this group. Uh, we wish we could be more dynamic. You know, but now now that we've gone to performing once a month, I think I look forward to these shows so much because. We're in a pretty good uh, stage to perform, and then I know we're going to have fun, you know? We're going to do a format uh, that's really, really fun. We have, like, 
Right now we do about four or five different formats that we kind of rotate, but there's a couple, like Black Widow is the one, I think my favorite one right now, that we like to do, which is basically we do a group scene where, you know, five to eight people, whoever's in the cast that night, can kind of all be hanging out, you know, and do that short scene together. Uh, and then we try to find a secret about that person. Uh, so we go kind of back in time to discover how this secret originated, and we filter through it and see how it advances. And then we cut back to that main group scene just where it left off. And we add that influence of the secret into the group scene somewhat. So there's a main scene that's going on. And we have all these secrets that get added to it. And we kind of can jump back to explore these characters and kind of where their origin story of how they kind of came to be. It, it's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. I uh, I did that one in a matchmaker once. The Melissa. Melissa. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I remember we told you that. And you're like, oh, Melissa's still on forms. Another form you guys do is the uh, ride the snake, get mm-hmm. off the horse. Is that is that right? We call it ride the snake. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Which yeah. is something we forgot about. Is is get off the horse the other? No. Oh, oh, we go ride the snake or. Get on the horse, I think. Uh, <laughs> it has to be get off. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. You could get on two. Yeah, ride the snake or get off the horse. <laughs> yeah, that's what we Which do. I, I love because it's not, not to. It's the same thing as more or less, but it's so much better because like more or less has this puts this weird pressure on the audience to be like, like the audience never wants to be like less. Oh, I hate I hate this scene. Yeah. But like, but like by making it so fun, it's like ride the snake, yeah. get off the horse. It like it, I feel like it allows. It's just a modification of the of the more or less format, but it but it's, but it's such a successful modification. And uh, I think the things we do similar. We do uh, improv Jones. We really do characters really well and tell stories really well. Like the, a lot of them, like Dave Ravenel's a writer. So any kind of story we have, we can button it up, right? No matter what we have, or we've been doing improv for so long, we know how to do it. So ride the snake essentially is we ask, you know, we do a scene and we ask the audience. Uh, do you want to ride the snake or get off the horse? You know what I mean? And we just say it so stupid and idiotic that it becomes fun, you know? And the, whoever says it, we all start laughing because it's dumber and dumber when we say, do you want to ride the snake? Right, so right, right, right. Versus, like, the traditional, like, right. more or less, it's like, do you want to see more of that scene? Do you want to see less of that scene? Yeah. It's like, fuck. No that, one like... cares about more or less. It, it's not a... It, it, yeah. I 100% agree. Our, I think our, our formats involve us interacting with the audience to make them have fun interacting with us. Right. More or less is not fun. What you guys do is fun. Right. So I'll give you... So our job is, I think what we do well is like, all right, we want to ask the audience something, we get to present it as fun to them and have fun with them when they present it to us. So if they say something to us, we'll have fun back with them. You know what I mean? And then we incorporate it. So, you know... There are some times when that happens when we're like, why are we still doing this? And we just, it, it, it becomes a little ridiculous. Yeah, that's almost the funnest, right? Yeah. When it's like, when they tell you to ride the, <laughs> they keep to telling ride the snake. And it's just like, like you, uh, you want it to end really? so bad. Not because it's a bad scene, it's just like, where else am I going to go with this? I've already taken it to as about as deep as a level you really want, you know? Cool, so, uh, just throw out, like, two more of your favorite forms you guys do. We do bracket prov too. That's something kind of similar in a weird way to kind of ride the snake, which like uh, so. So I'm like a sports fan, and I'm like 
basketball especially, so being an improv and being a sports fan is not like So bracket prob is essentially uh, like the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so we do two scenes. We ask for a word, and we uh, do two scenes based off that one word. And we ask the audience to pick which scene what they want to see advance. We end up getting uh, four words, and then we have eight scenes to start right, with right, four right. words. And then they all compete with each other. So we get down to get the ultimate scene. You know what I mean? So that's bracket prob. Oh, so that's really sweet. Yeah. So that, I, we only dude, do that usually in March. Every, everything you guys are just like... <laughs> Sorry, guys, but it's just like <laughs> just like a better version. At this point, nothing that we're really anyone really does in improv is really super new. It's kind of based off of something else, right? Right, but it's finding a way to make to engage the audience more. Yeah, it's not that the it, right the scenes are the exact same, right? The, there's no difference between the scenes if you were doing them more or less or ride the snake, right? Like they're it's the same thing. We're gonna do a scene. Do you want us to continue it or not? <laughs> But it's like the, the, the clever manipulation of that audience is what I've been impressed by. Yeah, I think though, if you're gonna ask the audience something, you gotta make sure it's fun, and not only for that, but you gotta be able to have make it fun for yourself to do it too. Because there's sometimes you're gonna have not a crowd that's really giving you anything, so you gotta make sure they give you something. You gotta almost force it upon them. I think over the years having light shows where there's only like four people in the crowd and doing formats that way, trying to, that's how we figure out. So if we have a light cry, a crowd will do like a experiment on something and we discover, all right, this is a small crowd. So we get to get them energized for it. So let's, how are we going to make them energized for it? And I think our personalities just kind of, kind of hopefully bring more out of the audience. You know what I mean? Than they all, if we just said, look, now what would you like to see? Would you, Raise your hands, and we'll count everyone's hands if you want to see this scene advance. And we just kind of do like an audience meter thing, and it doesn't have to be official. It's whatever we hear and whatever we have fun. So it's, it's trying to make it fun. So going to the audience, too, you want to kind of get them back excited again, invigorated again. So there's no reason to ask the audience anything unless you kind of re-engage them. The goal is to re-engage them so they're coming back at you and the... Uh, always being attentive to it because they want to be a part of it. Um, especially for people, maybe this is their first time seeing a show. What they, what they know of comedy and improv comedy is interacting with the comedian in some way. Sometimes, you know, the comedian will kind of go back for them and stand up or something like that. Or whose line is it anyway? We'll always ask them for different things and stuff like that. A lot of improv that around here, we don't really do that as much. And a lot of times for long form improvisers and stuff like that, we don't really do that either. You know, so when we are asking the crowd for something, you know, to a first timer or someone that really kind of likes that style, it's their opportunity to kind of get into the show. You know, it's a, it's a form, improv is a weird thing that too, they can be part of it. You know, they have some influence on what happens. So you got to make it worthwhile for them to kind of feel like they're part of it, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree. It, it can't makes... be about just you guys. It's, it's got to be about the audience wants. Like, you gotta, you have to know your audience a little bit, you know. To... <laughs> have you ever seen that, that, uh, that video online that's like, uh, it's about the, the people who say they're like profesh- professional, uh, 
improv suggestion ears and it's like it's like if the audience is one third of the show and the performers one third of the show and the suggestions one third of the show if you give the suggestion yeah. and you're the audience that makes you two thirds of the show <laughs> that's right yeah i've seen that that was a yeah video sketch right yeah I've seen that. That's good. don't be like can we get a suggestion object permanence <laughs> yeah, just... it's like the words and then they're like and then we've been giving suggestions for tj and dave for years and then it's like sharna she's like uh tj dave don't take two judges yeah <laughs> oh, i love that sketch um so uh well the formats we do are kind of just interactive too we're just kind of asking uh, we're either doing uh, just good character scene work. It's kind of play-like, you know, kind of really exploring a story and exploring our characters a lot, I think, in Improv Jones. I think that's the thing that we like to do. Because I think we're pretty good at it. So why not do what you're good at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's That uh, That relates to a question that I wanted to ask you, but I think I'm going to... But I think I have to ask you a few other questions first. Because uh, it had to do with the question I wanted to ask you about the Herald, which we haven't started talking about. Um, so, I, I was listening to this this podcast the other night about improv, and all of a sudden this idea occurred to me of like the idea of 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 almost, of of thanking the audience for giving you a suggestion. Like if someone says a suggestion, like literally like looking them in the eye and being like, "Thank you for that," which I've never seen done, and it it was just this, this idea that I had. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> What do you know? What do you think of that? What do you think of like, if someone, the the person who gives you the suggestion, giving them, acknowledging them and saying, thanks a lot for. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I think I've seen that before. Hopefully people will do it. A lot of times I like to, uh, I like to kind of have fun with them. You know what I mean? I think at the last fest show, we were doing a show, Tim Allen show. And I asked for, uh, we asked for something from the audience and, uh, a woman started talking, and then all of a sudden, a, a, a guy <laughs> yeah, started yeah, chiming in, yeah. and so that's a perfect opportunity for me. I'll just like I started yelling at the guy because he thought it was all about him, and the woman already started speaking. I go, "Stop being a stupid guy!" He was <laughs> just getting his way. So yeah, fun with it, and those are good opportunities to have well-mannered fun and screaming at people <laughs> when you want to do it. Uh uh, since, since we're talking about uh, suggestions, so at uh, Pig, yeah, Pro- Providence at Broad Guild, UCB, there it's like take the first, take the first suggestion, right? Whereas at some other theaters, they'll take multiple suggestions and then like take the one that inspires the group the most. So I wonder if you have any uh, any opinion on that. On that, I like to take the first suggestion. Unless it's vulgar or offensive in any way, obviously. If it's unless it's dildo factor. No, or if it's, you know, a lot of times, like, we'll ask, for, for Improv Jones specifically, we'll ask for a lot of suggestions. We're going to get repetitive ones. Like, so, like, sometimes we do that now. Like, Eric usually hosts the shows sometimes. We'll say, like, what's a secret we don't know about this person besides this person used to be a man or a woman, which is, you know what? You know, we've heard that before. Besides the fact they have herpes. Yeah, stuff like that. So we'll, we won't take stuff that we get all the time just because, you know, someone else has seen that show and it's not improv and they'll bring stuff back. They'll say, ah, actually, we just had that one. But if you're taking something like a word you don't know what it's about, I think it's okay 
to say, what exactly is that? Just kind of investigate it a little more. I've never heard that word before. Can you tell me about that? But I think you should take the first one because if you don't take that, then you're not validating the audience. So why are you asking them that? You know, that's my opinion on it. And if you're not validating the audience and then, or, or they might say, oh, they're taking something that's easier for them. You know, they might not appreciate it. Say, why are they asking for multiple suggestions? Yeah, yeah, and I, hundred percent agree with you. The only thing is, yeah, uh, for a second I wanted to say, like, well, shouldn't you be trying to make improv as easy as possible because that's going to make it funnier? <laughs> but I don't know that I actually want to pursue that line of argument. Um, I, I think the worst thing that happens, the the most frustrating thing that I see is people will go and they say, can I get a suggestion? But they'll they'll say, can I get a suggestion? They'll get, they'll get five suggestions and they'll say, you know what, I have this idea for a scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they'll, and then they'll just do some... Something some, completely some st- like, why different... did you do that? <laughs> and it's, it's, oh, it's worse than why did you do that? It's like, it's like an insult to the end. It's like, right. well, none of those things were as good as the thing I already had I've seen people do it too. People have been doing it. Some some people do it like they'll get a suggestion and they'll go, and the guy or person will give the suggestion and they'll be like, nah, <laughs> what else? Nah, what else? I'm like, no, take that. I'm like, it could be challenging. Like, the, my only rules is if it's offensive in some kind of way, or, you know, or if it's uh, something that you've, you get all the time, like something obvious that you get all the time. Then don't take it. You know what I mean. Otherwise, if it's if you don't know what it is, ask a question. What is that exactly? Or or if you don't know what it is, you don't ask a question. Have fun with not knowing things. It's right? A, isn't it's yeah? Isn't that the inspiration? Right? right. And if you if you're like, oh, that's not going to be funny if I don't take this or that or whatever. That's not the word's fault. If you're not a good enough improviser to take whatever you got to kind of make something uh, uh, about whatever that word can, means to you, then yeah, then I, what I, are you doing? I, you I, should I, be able to take anything and make something out of it, because it's not about the word. I've experienced about. both sides of the argument. Well, actually, I haven't even experienced both sides of the argument, because no one even bothers arguing. The people who take the first word don't even bother arguing about it, because it just seems like an obvious thing to do. But, uh, but the other the people who don't will argue, like... Oh, well, the most important thing is being inspired. If you're inspired by something, you'll always do, like, you'll do such a more positive scene. I, I get that. But it's like, way. yeah, right. It, that sounds right, but it's like, shouldn't, shouldn't the thing that inspires you be performing <laughs> magic out of taking that first word? Shouldn't it be like, like, what inspires me is to do that hard thing? I agree with you, yeah. Like, take, it, I mean, it, it, it frustrates me. I'll be like, I've seen people turn down four or five in a row. I'm like, what are you doing? Because it starts to get me irritated. I'm like, this makes me look bad. You know, this makes all of us look bad. Take the first one. And also, like, then it lends itself to, like, oh, well, if we all have to be inspired, then even if I like it, then I have to look at you and be like, do you like it? And then it's like... a group meeting after the word. Then we have a fucking group meeting. (laughs) It's like... That doesn't make sense. You know, it doesn't make sense to me that way you do that. But I, I can see the reasoning for it if you're looking for something particular of some kind of thematically or something if you're doing some kind of thing like that yeah i I can understand it but for me it's not it okay let's go back to some form uh so this is probably like a redundant rhetorical question but how how important do you think forms are 
As opposed to, like, just doing a montage. Uh, I think there's different things, because form can kind of give you a nice uh, idea of how you want to structure everything. But form can even get so much in your head, so I think to a lot of people, where they're just worried about the form, and they stop doing improv basics, you know what I mean? Uh, Mm. Yeah. So... I think that's a good thing that, like, what Improv Jones does is we our formats don't have a, a, a true end. And when we force an ending or something like that, that's when we get difficulty to it. Like, uh, uh, but, uh, like we, we end a story, but, like, our format isn't... We don't have to end it a certain way. It's just we end up doing it most of the time because we're not thinking about ending it, you know. It doesn't have to complete a story or anything like that, you know, in particular, all the time. But, um, like, if you're doing a, str- a format and you come up with this great idea and it sounds super great, it's just really tough to do, and if you mess up here, uh, it becomes a struggle, and you're just not doing basic improv. You're worrying about, all right, got to set this up to set up over there, and then you're worried about it. But if you have a format which, if you're a good improviser and you're, uh, you're doing a montage of scenes that maybe kind of create this kind of story and you go with that story because it's a progressing kind of character development, a story development, and it goes in that direction and a nice little narrative, then you take it that place, you know what I mean? Uh, my struct, my, my favorite ideas for structures are very loosely based. You know, you have these ideas for a structure, but don't follow them to the T. You know what I mean? You have right. beginning, middle, end, or wherever you want to go. But if the structure is the thing that's you're worried about, you're in trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's one of the things I love about um, about Largemouth Bass, which is the the musical group that we've done together a few times. Um, which is is that we we always end up doing a narrative uh, story, but that's but that's not that's not a rule. It's not the goal set out, right? At all, right? That's not the goal set at all. But that if you just set it out. <laughs> right. If you set it out, that's different. Than, but, but it always ends up happening. Right. Even though it, it could be. It could just be a total montage. But yet, it always ends up right. ends you're, up being a story. You're so worried about trying to make it this button point. I mean, it's great if you do that. And if you do do that, great. If you really... But to really get your forms down, you need a couple things. You need to work with the cast or work with people you've been working with a long time, I think. Right? You need to really kind of rehearse this form and really know the structure of the form, and you get to do it a bunch of times and whatever rehearsal and have confidence it's going to work. Not it's like everything has to be perfect for it to work. Because in improvise, the the problem with forms too, if you find something beautiful in the middle, like something this is where we should go, right? And then you're like, I can't, because I got to do this form that we kind of set ourselves up for. You're missing out on the whole beauty of the improv. Right. right? The so. second the second beat of this herald should be the entire thing. But right. Like, why? That's why, like, like if you do in a form, loosely based forms, you know, there's no... If you veer off, it's okay. No, like when I teach the herald and I teach it to you, I'm like trying, trying to say, oh, see where it goes, wherever you want it to go, I guess, in, in the most part, right? You get the structure of this, this should do that, but if that happens, it's not that bad of, you know... If the connection doesn't kind of just go with it, you know, don't be worried about it. Oh, we didn't connect, you know, Brent, a, I mean. a one to a two or whatever. We did super well. 
I think it's more better, I'm like, let it go. Just do the good scene instead of connecting it, you know. You'll find your way back because you know how the structure works, you know, and the format works, and you're trained, your mind's trained to that way, so you're going to get back to it, I think, in some way without even thinking about it. But if you're thinking about the structure, if you're thinking about, I got to do this and we got to connect this, you're not going to really connect it. But if you if you know the structure and you loosely base it and you're free to go out and in and have fun with it, you're going to probably do the structure you want them to do without even trying to do that structure. Right, yeah, it's interesting. Even thinking about the uh, the three forms that you talked about with Improv Jones, so like the Black Widow, the Ride the Snake, and the, the Bracket one. Those are very loose structures compared to a Herald, right? Because like, there's not really any way to do that wrong, those those forms wrong, like not that there's a way to do a herald. Well, there is a way to do a herald wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, so but they're much freer. I don't yeah. know. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So when I, one thing I when I teach the herald and stuff like that, when my only always thing is like, so the herald structure is going to give you the the tools and the mindset to see how good scenes, good improv scenes work, good improv sets work. You know, you got the things that connect, the themes, all these things connect. So you're learning the beats of the scene and how to heighten and how to play game and how to bring back characters and do all these different things that make a good successful scene. And once you kind of start, you kind of get the hang of a Harold, you know, everything that comes after that is all the tools you learn, but you're free. You know, you're kind of doing all this free form, but you're technically doing a Harold without any of the restrictions or the this has to be this, or this has to be in this scene, you know, this has to connect with that scene, you know, you're getting rid of all that. Right, then there's the idea of, like, everything, right? of all comedy comes in threes, so, like, whether it's the three progressions or the three beats, everything ends up somehow being a herald that's not exactly So, so when you're taking, when you're doing the herald for the first time and you're learning it, you're really thinking about how to do this format, right? How to do the form. That's all you're thinking about. How do I do yep. this form? Yep. How do I connect this scene? I get we, do, it. we do the Herald now at Real Mature, and I still feel like I was better at the Herald at the end, at the end of the class that I took with you. Like, I feel like I was better at it um, at our showcases than, like, than I am now, because you were just doing it, doing it, drilling it, drilling it. You were learning to, like, put those premises in your back pocket, like, uh, put in your back pocket the game, like, of every one of those scenes. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's the tools you got. This, these are the plays you could do, right? These are everything. We're going to run all these, say it's a football game. Here are all the plays we're playing, right? Here's, this This works here. This is everything you've learned. So when you're doing the Herald in a, in a weird way, it's like, this is the structure you're going to do. This is how you should do it. But one day you might be playing against a, Let's say in sports, you might be playing against a team that doesn't really have a playbook. They've just been playing forever together. They know how to play the game. You know what I mean? They know how to work. They know what 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 things do to make a uh, to score a touchdown. Or they play in a basketball game. You know, you know, five guys on the court know how to work together. They know how to. If you make a cut this way, that pass is going to be wide open for a layup. You know, or you kick it out, it's going to be a three pointer. Improv is the same way to me, in my mind. So you learn how to dribble, you learn how to shoot the ball, you know, learn how to play defense, and you know a few plays, 
You know what works, what doesn't work. So Howl's the same way. You learn all the plays, you learn the structure, you know how the game's played, and then once you know how the game, you play it with your teammates. You play right, yeah. you play the sport. It's this it. different you play the sport of improv and use all those things you learn and you become better because you're creating a new world, a new environment, and you're using all those things that you'll learn to kind of expand on those things and be better yeah. and better and get rid of those training wheels. It's kind of the difference better. between like a, a a prescriptive and a and a descriptive method like like if you were going to describe how one plays basketball, right? It'd be like, oh, and then this person goes up for the layup, and this person, I don't know anything about basketball, but <laughs> this person is there for the rebound, and right. the layup, whatever, whatever. But yet, like, all of that knowledge, if there are just some people who have been playing basketball together for right. for years. They already knew all the rules. They already knew all the plays, right? So they played the plays at different points, and they know what plays and score baskets. They know what works. They've actually uh, played the game by doing nothing but what the coach called from the sidelines, right? But at some point, your coach is going to get ejected. There's going to be no rules, and you're just going to play, right? You're going to play with your teammates from what you learned, and you're going to know that the person knows what they're doing, right, by playing with them and just enjoying the scene and getting together. You've been doing it together. You've done everything you need to know, and now you're just playing. So do you feel like that the Herald is more of a training tool than a performance piece, if that makes sense? I kind of feel that way, yeah. Because when I do a Harold even now, I've been doing improv for, you know, 15 years or whatever the heck it is, but I still find it, like, if I'm trying to do, like, Harold with, you know, people that have been doing it for a while or people just new, you kind of kind of stay within the, the reins of the format, and some people do it a little different, where I feel like a... It can be a little restrictive in that way, where, right. where if you're doing, if I go out there and I say let's do some long form improv, <laughs> and let's have fun with it, and let's go here and we'll perform and see what happens. You can do whatever the hell you want, and you're gonna have those connections that you have. Those you're gonna do those beats probably right. You're gonna call back anything that you need to do. You're gonna play the games that you need to do because these are all in your toolbox from what you learn from the Herald, right? Right. The structure of the Herald. The structure of the Herald tells you everything that kind of makes a good kind of long-form scene work, but it's got a little restrictions on it if you do it, you know, by the book, you know what I mean? If you right, the kinda, idea of the Herald is right. you have multiple games, and then those multiple games get heightened multiple times, and then you mix that up with diversity, which right. are the group games. And so, like, if that's all you're... If that's the way you describe it, multiple... Multiple heightens of multiple <laughs> games, and you add in diversity so that it's not the same thing all the time, right. then it's like, well, that's any good so, love for So think about it from right? an audience perspective, someone that doesn't know what the hell a Harold is, right? And everyone comes out and says, hey, we're going to do a Harold tonight. And everyone's like, the audience is like, okay, good for you, I'm great. And they see a show, and they're like, okay. And they, they kind of see what you did there, but they're not really thinking about it, right? But, you know, it, it might have seemed a little forced at some occasions. Or so like, Why don't all those people just come on and play uh, swans for five right. minutes and not talk at all? But if you saw, like, a, if you come out and say, hey, audience, we're going to we're ready to perform our show. Can we get a suggestion? And you just go and do whatever feels right. Whatever. Yes, and everything you can with your scene partner and just go with it. And you have fun with it and you do it. I mean, it doesn't mean 
don't do Harold's. I mean, the audience isn't going to really, if you, everyone says we're doing a Harold and the audience has no clue what you're doing. <laughs> you got to explain it to them. Even when you explain it to them, it might not make sense to them. And it probably, some of the scenes didn't quite make sense to you, but like yeah, improv, all you want to do is present a good show to the audience. I think, right. You want to have fun on stage yourself with your singing partners, right? You want to be able to kind of read each other what they're going to do. Cause you, you've been doing the, the game of improv, you've been performing together, you, you know all the tools and tricks, so you want to be able to read each other's mind on stage by, if I give you this offer, I know exactly where you're going, I trust you completely, right? And that's what makes it fun for you, right? Just having that experience of just kind of connecting with the scene partner and the audience watching that sees that and says, holy, holy Christ, that was amazing. You guys just read each other's mind, right? So if you're doing a structure, real, it's a really strict, rigid structure, sometimes you won't be able to kind of do the things you want to do because you're worried about that rigid structure, right? And the audience member might be saying, oh, man, how many times have you heard at their show? I don't know how many, but like, oh, I wish you kept doing that thing, you know? Right. But the structure made you have to right. stop it sometimes. B3 was shitty. Why'd you, why did you go from B2 to, why did you just keep doing B2? Right. Some people might do a continuous shitty thing in it, and, you know, I don't know, because you, you think that's the way to do it. But, uh, you know, if you have some... I just, some structure is good, right? Tight structure is, I don't think, is very good. It's very tough to do. It's very tough. Yeah, to yeah. Do. I think that goes back to what, right. so what I was saying earlier. Improv. We're like, we're like the form, the three forms that you've described for improv drums are very, are very loose right. structures. It's like a way to corral a show, but not a way to dictate a show. Whereas a herald is much more of a way to dictate a show. Yeah. At least the way that it's taught, like adhering to the specific. Three, three, three. And you'll see, like, the best people that do the Harolds step out of the Harold a little bit and really find whatever's fun. They really stay out of that structure a little bit and are willing to break it a little bit better than, you know, people that just maybe really strict to the Harold or really new to the Harold. You know, seasoned performers will really just kind of dance around it a little bit and just really make sure they follow the fun stuff. Before we leave the Harold for a second, let's talk about openings. What openings do you like for Harold, and what openings do you not like? And then we'll talk about openings, just uh, in, in general. Or, so, or you can just say right up front, I fucking hate openings. Uh, That's fine. Well, I, I don't want... Alright, let me... Okay, I'll just, I gotta be in the mood for an opening. Alright, let me just ask you. Yeah. Monologues, good or bad? I like monologues. Okay, monologues are cool. Yeah. Invocation, good or bad? Uh, if it's done right, I like it, yeah. Have you seen us do it in Infection? I saw you do it once, yeah. Have well, you seen us do it in the dark? We do this. We <laughs> no, do this. I have, did not oh, dude, we do this sweet spooky <laughs> invocation where we do it with all the lights out, and then we put flashlights on our face when we like say, "Yeah, anyway, anyway, anyway. it's uh, all the pictures." But I like an invocation if it's done right. You know, you you know, make sure you know what you're doing. Yeah, I don't mind. Like <laughs> I don't know if we know what we're doing. That's why we turn the lights up. <laughs> um, sound and movement. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Absolutely oh god. Hate it. And I think the audience looks. I always say this, and I get the audience. I believe the audience is like. They're smiling, like, what the hell's happening? Like, it, like, an uncomfortable smiling the whole time it's going on. And it, I mean, some good stuff can come out of it, some clever things come out of it, but I just don't think it, yep. it brings enough to it. It might bring some energy, but that's, it's so weird. It seems like a bunch of hippies dancing around. To me. So it's so weird. I mean, I've seen some fantastic sets follow a sounded movement, but I've never enjoyed a sounded movement while oh, I was watching. Oh, me neither. I think Even, I, I learned on that too, everyone, because at UCB, they do a lot of sound and pattern sound and movement stuff. Um, and so. Which, so what's your favorite opening? For, say for Harold. 
Um, for Harold, I, I I think I like the monologue the best. Yeah, for me, just because. Me I too. Everyone says it's cheap and it doesn't count, but I I love it. There are different things. I mean, you gotta a good monologist can kind of give you a bunch of different directions to go. I mean, they can be telling. You know, they're not just telling a, a story, but they're they're giving other information out there, little bits and pieces, being specific and stuff like that. Uh, talking about their job. Going off in a little tiny, little bit of a tangent, but not going too far away from the main story, you know, just kind of giving you different things, different branches of what they can do, you know. Cause I, I think if you can do it, you can just get so much. Where, like, anything that involves, like, one word or sound and movement, uh, sound and movement just, I mean. Do you think an interview is as good as a monologue? I think an interview can be good, yeah. An audience interview, obviously. Right, yeah, yeah. I think that's another good way of kind of doing. Yeah, I mean, that's almost ends up becoming equivalent to a lot. Yeah, you're gathering information and different things, and, you know, you know as long as the, the, the performers aren't just replaying a lot of that stuff, but, you know, making, you know, they make it close enough to where they have fun with the person that getting the interview done to them. I, I, I just think monologues give you a more opportunity to kind of give you a good base where it's yeah. just not one word, and the audience watching it as well kind of has an idea of where you're taking your stuff from, too. Like, yeah, so that's, see what you're building from. Right? So that, yeah, that yeah. leads me to another question, which is, like, do you think... There's nothing that says a Harold has to be premise-based. It could be a, it could be full organic, right? But personally, I, I would much rather do a premise-based Harold where we have some opening, whether it's a, a monologue or a, or an audience interview. Or maybe, even, I think even an invocation you can get you can get decent premises from if it's done right. Um, I find those like so much more enjoyable because there's no ambivalence about what that game is in that first beat. Yeah. Like, cause you go in and obviously premise based improv is you go in with an unusual thing. You're not, you're not finding <laughs> yeah. the unusual thing together, which one might say is you, you can cheating, go into but... it and bring it and the other person knows what you're talking about. Right. right exactly. More easier than a word. Or something like that, or kind of a sound and movement thing where you're like, okay, now I gotta remember where you're pulling from, and now I gotta try and connect it to where it's a little easier with like a monologue or something like that, some inf like real information gathered to giving to you, you know? I, I right. Think it's easier. Like when people are doing formats and stuff like that, and when they're doing formats and they make it really, really tough for you to really start off your scene and give you a good base. I was teaching some group, uh, years ago and they had this nice little a TV thing like a TV style kind of format like a like a movie we cut to yeah this. like a TV show like a whatever it is it was just like they played cops and crime and stuff like that but they were having a tough time of who was going to be who like it was a it was like a, a police detective or something like that but they were having a tough time who's going to be who so I'm like why don't you guys just predetermine who you're going to be <laughs> if it's this is your structure instead of coming out there and figuring out the whole time, are you going to be the cop, or are you going to be the lawyer, or are you going to be the bad guy, or however it is. For their structure, I was like, they, they spent so much time on, like, so I'm going to be this person, you're going to be this person, then who's going to be that? I'm just like, just determine that before, and don't make it so difficult on you. You don't have to outsmart yourself or say, it's improv, every single down to the last drop has to be improvised. If you're doing a specific format, I mean, you can kind of, 
tweak it where it's a little bit easier, and then everything else is all improvised. Right. So if your form was a cop interviewing a uh, a suspected criminal, you could go out and say, audience, which one of us is the cop? And they could say, yeah. this person is the cop, and then be like, okay. Or just predetermined. If you want to be the cop this week, all right, I'll be the cop. You know, it's just kind of like a short form game setup or whatever it is. And I think it was like a law and order thing where there were two cops. One was a good cop, one was a bad cop. There was a bad guy, there was a lawyer, there was this and that. So they had this whole setup, but they didn't know how anything else went. But they had to determine who was going to be who once they stepped on stage. So it took them forever to figure that out. Like, just cut out the cut out the guessing. Uh, that's an interesting point because it makes sense when you have a specific form because... If certain people have to be certain people in the form, then it makes sense to figure out who you are versus, and this might be going on a tangent, but versus, like, the idea of waiting to let the other person tell you who you are, which would make sense in a fully organic situation where you're like, oh, well, I don't know what this person is initiating, so I'm going to kind of, like, lay low until I realize what game they're trying to tell me to play. Yeah. But whereas it's like, well, if you already fucking, you already know the game at the scene, yeah. then, like, why not just... Right. Why not just say who everyone is? There are some people like do like a soap opera. Uh, they do a reoccurring thing every week. Pretty good where there's soap operas. So every week they're the same character. So they go in knowing it. And that's cool. People expect that character and they could make their character bigger and better. But anything else that comes out of it is it's all improvised good stuff. You know, you're not trying to figure out the base of some stuff where it's not really that relevant. I mean, you should be able to do that and make, you know, your character choices right away and the other person should yes and it, but for certain things that are a little more, uh, uh, not, not, uh, structured format wise, just come in, make it a little easier on yourself. Structures are tough. Stories are tough stuff. You want to have the whole kind of structure. Make it- so, uh, let's talk about like developing your, your own forms. So in Improv Jones, you have a lot of great forms. Did uh, did someone, is it like someone would bring those forms in that they learned and you guys would just kind of do those? Or was it like, or did people pr- propose forms and you'd worked on them together and they evolved? Most of the time we had like, oh, someone would come in, I have an idea for this form. Let's try it out. And then uh, you do it. That's kind of how Black Widow came about. I thought it was a guy, Chuck McKenzie used to be in group. He started the idea of it. Could be Moro, Chuck, but we Moro really kind of fine tweaked it or stuff. So when we did at first, we were having a, it was a good idea, uh, but we didn't quite figure it out. I think we were just kind of, uh, I think the main scene, no one knew each other, you know, people like strangers who were like really making that a long developing scene where the main scene for the Black Widow should be a group scene and we're already really good friends or associates, we have some kind of really strong established relationship right there. We were having a difficult time doing it, but we kept tweaking things the more we did it and said, ah, this doesn't work and this works. But we haven't done that in a while. Most of the time that we kind of tweak things, it's just the presentation of it all. Like how are you going to, like bracket prop was an idea I kind of came up with. And we just kind of tweak that a little bit with how we kind of get the audience to vote on it. Uh, uh, we used we do we used to do this one called Octopus all the time. <laughs> They're really named weird for the most part, is because usually if we do that uh, format for the first time, we'll have the audience name it. Like Arbor Days is one. There's another one. <laughs> so Arbor Days is very basic. It's just we ask how many 
between a number of 10 and like 25 or whatever we want to do. How many scenes do you want us to do tonight? So that's what Arbor Days is, or we'll just write down titles of scenes um, and we'll do stuff like that. We also have one like where we, uh, we write chapters in a book, so we'll like give us 10 chapters and we'll write 10 uh, lines from a scene. And they'll say, all right, these 10 lines are all the name of a book. What's the name of the book? So they're all chapters in a book, so we'll title the book, so the title of the book, and each one will be a chapter for this book. So we'll try to figure out these scene titles that make no sense to each other and try to incorporate into one kind of storyline, too. So that's something we do. So these are things kind of we tweak and play with other ideas and just kind of see how they go a little bit, try them out. They don't work out well, no big deal, you know. Uh, we'll never do it again, or we'll, we'll do it again. Actually, Ride the Snake, we hadn't done that in like five years, I think. We only did it once or twice, <laughs> and for whatever reason, it didn't work out well the first time we did it. And one random like, time, Dave Ravnow said, let's ride the snake again. We were like, wait, what is that? And we remembered it, so we started to do it again, and we were really having more fun with it. So we kind of made it more enjoyable, I guess. Usually we'll come up for the idea. We don't do them as often as we used to. When we were performing you know, t twice a week, we used to do it all the time because we'd get so bored with what we were doing. So we'd kind of come out with new ideas and new ways to kind of play certain things just to change it up for us and the audience. But now when we do it once a month, we just kind of do like the stuff we really like doing. Yeah, so that's like a, that's like a separate question I'd have of like how, how a team, how you go from, from like performing twice a week to performing one every month. four weeks without, without it somehow... Without it almost like becoming a breakup, right? Like you could imagine if you were like in a relationship and you went on two dates a week with a girl, and then all of a sudden you started only date going on a date with her well, once a month. Yeah. It would be like, is this like, are, is this really still there? Like, obviously it is. That's not what I'm implying at all. But like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, How's it become like still meaningful? I guess right, or like a not like oh man, I really miss this or whatever it is. But we were so. There's eight of us in there. There used to be nine, and that's probably the most we've ever had. Kim Kalunian, she's now on Channel 12 News. <laughs> she's an anchor on that. She was in it. And John Murphy, who's now runs Washington Improv Theater, she was in it too. So we had like eight. So we were doing t two times a week, and we were all so busy. Like, I just had a baby. Melissa had a baby. Moro just had, he's got two young kids too, and... Casey's in theater, Dave's in theater, uh, Moore's in theater, Stu's in theater, uh, Eric's busy doing Improv Review, and so is Stu, Melissa's running Providence Improv Guild, so was I, so everyone was so busy, and we were doing twice a week, we were doing it at 10 o'clock at night, because that's the time more shows ended, back in the day, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So that's why it was so late at night. So after he'd do a Trinity show, he'd go over and do a show there. And it was supposed to make it easier, but like it's really tough to do a show in downtown Providence on a Thursday night, like in the middle of the winter. And even stuff, we have no advertising budget or anything. Uh, what were the audiences like when you guys were... Were you still getting great audiences of doing it two times a week? No, like I said, either... I mean, we had no idea. There would be there was a couple summers where we were packed every night, and then sometimes we'd have nobody. So it was like one day they're like, "Oh, great, a lot of people are coming." And then the very next show, there'd be no one to show up. They're like, "What's going on?" You're competing with everything, and you like just it's just word of mouth essentially. But 
the theater kind of changed hands where it used to be Perishable Theater and then it changed back to AS220. AS220 is always kind of owned the building and everything like that. But Perishable Theater used to be like a separate thing run out of that. So we used to have like a lay of the theater back then. But when it uh, switched hands, our rent went up to, and then we had to pay more, and we weren't just getting enough, and then we were so busy, so we just said, we don't want to disband it at all. We love doing this, so how do we make it work? So let's do it. Let's do it once a month. Let's see how that goes. You know, just kind of cut it back a little bit. To be honest, since it's going once a month, it's been more enjoyable than it's ever been. So you guys went right from twice a week to once a month? It wasn't like... We went to just Saturdays first. And then we were still so busy, and the, the rent was still high. And just life was such a busyness for all of us, I think, at that time. like you know. Yeah, because you guys don't like, you're not bringing in new people now, right? Like, you haven't brought in new people in a while, I'm sure. Performers, no. We probably, we always get asked. That's what I meant, not audience yeah. members, We always obviously. get asked for auditions all the time, and we're like, no, we don't really audition. I mean, it's been four or five years, I think, since we did it. A long time ago, since Eric, Stu, and... Uh, Kate joined the group, I believe. So that's the last time we had auditions. But since we went to a month, it's been great because it's kind of like, oh, it's kind of an event a little bit more now. Not instead of like it's this thing we have to make sure we're there for. And it would be tough even coming out to perform. You're like, oh, is anyone going to be there tonight? <laughs> or why am I going? It's so late. I'm so tired. Or whatever it is. It's just life got in the way and it just was really tough to do it. And now it's like, oh, yes, Improv Jones this week. I can't wait to perform in it. You know, and uh, it, it, it literally has been the most fun for me, performance-wise lately. And, like, what I've been doing is, like, performing at Improv Jones. It's just, I don't know, it's just, like, getting together with old friends a little bit like that. Like, these are guys I've been performing with the longest, but I only perform with them once a month, you know? Bam, here it is. And the, it, the theater's really nice to perform improv in, and the crowd's really responsive there. It's a different, it's just a fun vibe, the way it's been for the last... It's been almost two years since we've done once a month, maybe a year and a half, something like that, for where we did 20 years of two times a week, <laughs> and then a year once a week, and then now it's just once a month. And I, sometimes I think, should we do it more again? But even still, we're all so busy. Like, we have to take a head count every week to make sure we have enough people, but we always end up having five or six, you know? But very rarely do we ever have a full cast. I think we had our full cast once in the last year. Maybe once in the last two years. I don't even know. There's always someone missing. That's a good thing. Just it's like jumping on a, getting back on a bike, and improv drums every time. So it's cool. Yeah, definitely. That's kind of like the way improv should be in a lot of ways. You're just kind of performing with people you trust on stage and your friends, and you're gonna have, you know, you're gonna have a good time, right? Either you, if the crowd doesn't like you, at least you're gonna have fun with each other, right? <laughs> And that's what it is. Like, I know I'm going to have fun with Dave, you know? We're going to do something stupid, you know, every single time we do it. And when Morrow's on stage, we just laugh all, giggle all the time. Or he's always giggling from the sidelines, or I'm always giggling. And Kate and Melissa and Stu and Eric and Casey, it's just like everyone brings a little bit different type of really awesome talent to to the show. So that's it's, it's a great kind of thing, you know? Everyone has their really nice thing that they do. And a lot of us have a lot of, a bunch of different things where you can basically do anything. You know what I mean? Anything you want. There's no inhibition and there's no hesitation like, oh, is this person going to be up to speed on this, you know? And even if the person's not, it's like at the point where, like, 
this is going to be fun because I'm not good at this part. You know, like like me, if they throw accents at me, they're going to laugh because I'm not very good at them. But I'm going to still do it, you know, <laughs> and it's going to be fun, right? And that's what it's about. And the audience appreciates that too, I think, you know. If, as if they saw us every single day doing, like, just kind of joking around, or if it wasn't super fun, then it might not be the same kind of situation, but, like, to make it feel like more of a, an event type of thing is a nice thing. Like, what do you like seeing as an audience member? What makes you have a really good time? Like, what is it, the form, or just what? What's the thing that says, oh, that was a great show? For me, it's when people say shit that they didn't know they were going to say. Like, those are the... I always... I, I feel like I, I always laugh at the things that no one else laughs at, which is the, like... It's the when, it's when people say things without thinking. Normally, the things that will get laughs are people saying things that they know are funny. And I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of saying things with the expectation that, like, I hope this gets a laugh because I think it's funny. Yeah. But the... The thing that I always think is the, the funniest is when, like, is when a person just reacts without thinking, and you you know that they had no idea they were gonna say that. Yeah. And then, like, and then it just comes out of their mouth, and they're like, they didn't even know. Well, what's great about that. that is the person's just honestly reacting to whatever it is, right. right? Exactly. And they're just saying it, and they're in the moment, and that's the way it needs to be, and that's the way it should be, being in the moment. I mean, you got all your things that you know that. uh will make you a good improviser and if you've been doing it long enough you've done pretty much every stupid scene there is in there the only thing you can do is react honestly the audience watching an improv show the whole time is just watching and listening and waiting for those honest reactions because they're thinking the same thing as you're what you're doing on stage a lot of times right and for you to surprise them is makes them great or you to think the same way they do is great right as much as i like of all the schools of thought, I feel like I, I lean the most towards like kind of the UCB school of thought, but they it's still this idea that that you're trying to just like recreate sketch comedy, you know, that you're that the goal of improv is to do something good enough that people will think it was scripted sketch comedy. But I almost don't know if that's if that's like really what I love about improv because it's like a joke is never going to be as good as it could be if you, like, really thought about it and, like, honed it. But what you can never hone is that, like, having no idea what you're saying and that, like, saying something without thinking about it. It's like when someone says something totally stupid and they, like, had no idea that they were about to say it. And, like, it's like, well, that would never be funny in sketch because, like... Right. If you pre-planned it, it wouldn't be funny. No, but because it, it's an honest moment, right? Right. It's that's yeah. It. That's yeah. what's that's what's so great Those about honest it. moments of like when the person just like improv is when you you kind of lose it a little bit. Like I'll I'll lose it here and there, like doing an improv scene is probably because of those honest moments of me not thinking I would say what I would say, you know, and start laughing because I'm like, what did I just say? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We're like, doing, I was doing the show for the, the musical, uh, and, and so, like, the, the the song was, we're on, the suggestion for the location was a cruise ship. And so I was singing about how, like, a, a ship is like your family, and I ended up saying, like, the lifeboats are your pets. <laughs> like just as a lot that made like no sense, <laughs> and like I'm just like I 
I literally have no idea. I don't know what that means. I don't know why I said it. Because it was like, the captain is your father. The lifeboats are your pets. I'm just like, what? I don't, I don't know what, what that means. It was like, no one would put that in a sketch. Yeah, but yeah exactly. That, that wouldn't make sense. But that's what's fun. That's what's improv is only really funny when it's live, too. You can't tape a show and watch it. Like, I stopped watching shows probably after the, a long, long time ago. Even the shows, I'm like, what an amazing show that was. Oh, the crowd loved it. And I'll go back and watch it. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know so, maybe if it was yeah. better recorded, it might be, be come off better. But uh, yeah. who knows? Yeah, Dave Rosowski has uh, one of his... I'm <laughs> talking about how he has all these great quotes. Is that... um is that it's like the process is the product. So it's like, it's not the product that is the thing that makes it so great. It's like watching people get to that point. Yeah. And I totally agree with, like, otherwise, what's the point of improv? If the point of improv is just to generate ideas for sketches. Right. Then it's like, oh, yeah, so then it's, it's just... the journey, man. It's like, it's watching the whole thing, the whole... The whole thing from nothing and to see where all the places you can take it. And then the audience perspective of being on that ride with you is what's really cool. And having them just kind of think the same kind of ideas you have or or have an idea of where you're going, but you make it even better. You know, and then where they thought they're like, oh, man, I didn't think of that. Or you surprise them even more just coming out of up. And, you know, and the best compliment you can get is just an audience member saying, was that really improvise you really didn't know anything you know yeah yeah no, I, I, yeah that's the thing when you hear that i mean it's it's cool all right sweet <laughs> well, let's wrap this up all right we are at uh <laughs> two hours and 12 minutes all right i've never gone 12 minutes this long oh geez never mind two hours 12 oh <laughs> <Rock> myself <laughs> You've been listening to Improv Town. If you enjoyed this episode, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're in the Rhode Island area, don't forget to check out all the great local improv. Pig, the Providence Improv Guild, has shows every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 8. The Contemporary Theater down in Wakefield is currently doing Maestro Improv at 9.30 on Fridays. And the bit players do Shore Form down in Newport every Friday and Saturday night at the Firehouse Theater. And that's BYOB, so that's always fun. You can also check out Improv Jones, Rhode Island's longest-running improv show, on the first Saturday of every month. That's down at the uh, AS220 Black Box in Providence. Last but not least, there's a new improv theater in town, Wage House, which has shows every Friday night at 8 in Pawtucket. And many of these theaters also offer great improv classes, so don't forget to check those out as well. I'm sure Google can help you find everything you need. See you next time.